where is home for you? I guess for most of us, home is the house where we are currently living, whether that's in Claygate or somewhere nearby. But perhaps there are others of us who don't consider where we're living now to be home. Maybe we've had to move out of our own home into somewhere a bit smaller or somewhere where we can receive a little more of the care and help that we need. And if that's the case, maybe we think back to where we lived previously as our home. Well, for me, home is the house that Mike and I share in Claygate. But in my 20s, before we were married, I lived in a succession of different temporary accommodation. It provided me with an address and somewhere to sleep at night. But throughout that period, home was still very much my parents' house in South Wales, even though I was maybe only there for a week or two each year. I remember the first time Mike and I visited my parents when we were newly married. And towards the end of our visit, I began to talk about going home the next day. And I realised it brought home to me for the first time that home had shifted. And home was now my parents' house. It was no longer my parents' house, but was our new house in Claygate. So what makes somewhere our home? I think one of the most important things is a sense of family. So for Mike and I, home was where we set up home as a new family unit. I think a sense of permanence as well. So when we bought our house, it was ours in a way that rented accommodation just never could be. And we've probably each got our own other things to add as well. So for me now, a house will never truly be a home without a dog in it. But that's a whole other story and a whole other sermon for another day. Let's hold on to these thoughts about home as we turn to our passage from Philippians this morning. If you've closed your Bibles, do reopen them to page 1180 as we look at this section of the letter together. Now, in these verses, Paul refers to two different groups of people who have different ideas about where they consider their home to be. We're going to consider, first of all, what life looks like when our sense of home and our rootedness is based on the things of this world. And then we'll move on to consider what it means for us as Christians to be citizens of heaven and find our true home there. So let's begin by looking together at verses 18 and 19. Paul writes this, For as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. Paul doesn't mince his words here, does he? Enemies of the cross of Christ is pretty stark language. But Paul wants to be clear about what he is saying. These people are entirely consumed by their own wants and needs, worshipping their own desires in place of worshipping God. 
they delight in living in a way that puts their own pleasure ahead of any other consideration, deliberately choosing to turn their back on God and dishonour him in the way they live. Their minds are fixed on the things of this world, and their eternal destiny, therefore, is, in Paul's words, destruction. It is a pretty bleak picture. So who is Paul talking about here? And what do we do if we're concerned that we might fall into this category? Well, let me say first of all, that if we are committed to following Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, then there is no way that Paul would describe us as enemies of the cross of Christ. Even if, or perhaps I should say, when we mess up, we make mistakes and bad choices, as we all do. Paul wrote a few verses earlier, in, this is verse 9 of chapter 3, we do not have a righteousness of our own. This means that we don't have to rely on being good enough to be accepted by God. And that's great news for all of us, myself included, who know that we could never reach that standard. But, Paul continues, we have righteousness that comes from God and is by faith in Christ. That is the wonderful gift he offers to each one of us. But just as when someone gives you a gift, so you need to unwrap it before you can enjoy whatever it is that they've given you, so it is with faith in Christ. We need to accept this gift of righteousness from God by simply saying yes to him, opening our heart and life to allow the Holy Spirit in and letting the power of his resurrection begin to work in our lives. So the only question we need to concern ourselves with is have we received and unwrapped the gift? If you've never done this for yourself or you'd like to know more about how to unwrap the gift, then why not chat to myself or Linda or a member of the prayer ministry team after the service and we'd love to speak more to you about this. Paul is moved to tears when he writes to the Philippians about these people whose minds are set on earthly things and whose sense of home is rooted in this world. So can I ask us all this morning, how do we feel when we see others in our own lives who have not unwrapped that gift of faith for themselves? Do we share any of Paul's anguish or concern for them? Who is on our heart today? Who we could commit to praying for in the weeks to come? Let's pray for God to reveal more of himself to that person. And let's also pray for God to give each one of us confidence, boldness and the opportunity to share our own experience of God's love with them. So that is the first group of people who Paul writes about here. 
Let's move on now to look at the second group and see how he describes them. I'm going to continue reading from verses 20 and 21. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Let me just pause on that word citizenship for a moment. Our citizenship is in heaven. Now, Philippi in that time was a Roman colony. So the people that Paul was writing to were proud to call themselves Roman citizens. It was a big deal in the ancient world. But what Paul is saying here is that there is a citizenship that trumps being a Roman citizen. Because being a citizen of heaven is a far greater privilege than being a citizen of Rome. And this would really have impacted on those Philippian Christians and made them stop and think. So what does it mean for them and for us to say that we are citizens of heaven? The first thing I notice is there's a sense of permanence. So Paul writes, we are citizens of heaven. Not we will be one day, or we might be if we do the right things and live by the rules. No, we are citizens of heaven. This is a certain fact secured for us already by the historical events of Jesus' death and resurrection. But there's also a future aspect to our citizenship as well. At the moment, we have glimpses of the kingdom of heaven on earth. And every time we pray the Lord's Prayer, we ask again, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. And we get to share in spreading the kingdom by sharing God's love in word and deed with others. But the kingdom will not come in all its fullness until Jesus returns, as these verses promise. And then we too will be transformed. Wonderfully, his promise is that our lowly bodies will be transformed by his power to be like his glorious body. I honestly can't begin to imagine what that will be like, but I know it will be truly awesome to experience that resurrection power and fall at our Saviour's feet in worship as our bodies are transformed to be like his. This is the future hope we share as Christians. And you know, I'm not even sure hope is the right word, but I don't think the English language has a better one. Because we use hope for all sorts of wishful thinking kind of things, don't we? Like, I hope this hot weather will continue, or perhaps I hope it won't continue. I hope England will win the World Cup. Maybe, maybe not. But this is a completely different sort of hope. It's free from any uncertainty. And it can be completely depended and relied upon. 
because it is based on the firm foundations of Jesus' death and resurrection. This hope changes our perspective on our daily lives as we realise that the things of this world are not all that there is, but they will one day fade away. I sometimes find myself at the end of a busy day with my head spinning from all the different things that have passed through it. People I've met, conversations I've had, issues I've dealt with, things I still need to deal with, anxieties and worries and so on and so on and so on. It can be hard to be intentional about focusing on this hope in the midst of our busy lives. But Paul's challenge to us here is to lift our minds beyond the things of this earth and to focus on that eternal hope that we have in Christ. And I know from my own experience that when I do manage to take my eyes off the mundane stuff of life for long enough to lift my eyes to heaven, it does change my perspective. And somehow those things that I was bothered about before take on a much lower significance in my mind. This hope changes our perspective on the dark times of life too, when we struggle to make sense of what is happening around us. If we're unwell, afraid of what the future might hold, feeling isolated in some way or facing darkness in any area of our life. We can know that there is something beyond this world that offers the promise of transformation. Our struggles in this life will not have the final word, but our bodies and our lives will be transformed when the power and glory of Jesus Christ is revealed. And we can know that the one who has secured our citizenship in heaven is the one who walks with us now, day by day, holding us through these struggles and leading us through the darkness with the light of this hope shining bright on our path. And even when death draws near, this hope burns brighter and allows us to walk on in confidence, knowing that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I love the Stuart Townend song, There is a Hope, which we're going to sing later on in the service today. And before I move on to the final part of my talk this morning, I'd like to just pause and read to you the last verse of that song because it expresses exactly what I'm trying to say here. There is a hope that stands the test of time, that lifts my eyes beyond the beckoning grave to see the matchless beauty of a day divine when I behold his face. When sufferings cease and sorrows die, and every longing is satisfied. Then joy unspeakable will flood my soul, for I am truly home. I am truly home.
I began this morning by suggesting that where we live right now might not necessarily be where we consider our home to be. And I'd like to finish with some further reflections on that idea of home as we consider what it means for us to be citizens of heaven currently living on earth. So firstly, let's recognise that our ultimate home is in heaven, whatever our current address actually is on earth. I said earlier that often what makes a house a home is a sense of permanence in living there and the presence of our family around us. Well, that's exactly what our heavenly home offers. Our citizenship in heaven is secure and permanent. And we also have a family that shares that home with us. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, sharing in this heavenly citizenship together as we seek to live in the reality of these truths in our lives. And this is why Paul began this section of the letter in verse 17 with an encouragement to learn from others who are perhaps a little further on on the journey of faith than we are and who can help us to live our lives with our eyes fixed on our heavenly home. We are in this together and we can each play our own part in encouraging one another to keep standing firm in our faith. When Sarah preached at this service a few weeks ago, she encouraged us to each think of someone who we could write a note of thanks to for the part they had played in encouraging us in our own journey of faith. I wonder whether we've had a chance to write one of those notes yet. If not, perhaps we could do so this week. And let's also be on the lookout for opportunities where we can encourage others to keep standing firm in their faith. Secondly, home is a place of security, peace and rest. At the end of a long day, how often do we say or maybe think, I just want to go home now? Or maybe we hear those words on the lips of a child at the school gates or somebody approaching the dentist's surgery. Home is a safe place, a place to retreat from the demands of this world. A place to recharge your batteries, particularly if you're an introvert like me. And hopefully also a place of peace. Our heavenly home offers us all of these things. And one day we will truly be home and experience all of this in fullness in the presence of God for eternity. But now, living as citizens of heaven on earth, that security peace, rest and safety can still be ours now, even in the midst of turmoil, as we allow God to enfold us in his arms of love and fill us with his Holy Spirit, his presence with us each step of the way as we journey home. And finally, home is a place of hospitality A blessing not just for ourselves and our own family, but for others also. That's why we have come home for lunch Sundays regularly here at church. And I know that many of us open up our homes to welcome others for meals, in hosting home groups, and in so many other ways too. 
And our home in heaven is a blessing to share as well, not just one to hold on to for ourselves. We thought earlier about how Paul was moved to tears when he saw people around him who hadn't accepted that gift of righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ that God offers to all who will receive it. So how can we each play our part in inviting others to share our heavenly home by demonstrating and sharing God's love with them? I was reading a sermon this week by Christian writer Barbara Brown Taylor entitled, None of Us is Home Yet. And I'd like to finish by sharing with you what she says our heavenly home means to her. Home is a place to belong, a place to be from, and a place to go to. A safe place where one is known and a safe place from which to know the world. As citizens of heaven, that is our home, now and for eternity. Amen.